What, do they think we got three Rod Brandemores or what? I think I started lifting real light weights when I was like 12. listening to the rod the podcast with your hosts jordan betts and mike men all right welcome into another episode of the rod the podcast i'm your host jordan betts as always with my buddy michael may how's it going tonight mike just you know another tuesday cruising along can't say much. Here we are. <laughs> we need to get you some food. Yeah, I'm um, pretty hungry right now. Pretty exciting week here uh, in Canesland, don't you think? Yeah. Um, some things that we didn't really think would happen happened. It's 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 got us excited. Um, hey, all I have to say is my big, you know, plant a flag statement last weekend was a total bust, um, and the fact that I said everything we predict won't happen. I gotta give you credit. Uh, Brett Burns is a uh, uh, Brent Burns is a Carolina Hurricane. Yeah, it was something that we didn't really think had a, a high likelihood. We had heard the rumor mill saying that the Canes were interested in him, as we had talked about on the previous podcast. That it was going to require some salary attention in order for that deal to make any sense, and they were able to get that done. Pretty exciting trade, uh, basically losing yourself a fourth-line player, a uh, prospect goaltender that has some upside and a conditional third-round pick, and in return you're getting Burns at $5.28 million and a depth forward in Pedersen. So pretty uh, magical trade there. Yeah, all in all, um, and one quick thing I want to mention is because you made a great point before we started recording. So the, the Burns number was initially reported at 33% uh, retained. All of a sudden, you find out a little bit later that it's thirty-four percent. You made. I'll let you say it because it was your point to make. But I think it's pretty interesting what they did there, jumping from thirty-three to thirty-four. Yeah, the the small change in in the retention drove Burns's salary below Jacob Slavin. Right, dropped Jacob Slavin five point three. Yep. Brett Burns or Brett Burns is a two point eight or five point two eight. Um. In professional sports, really in all things, just like your job, wherever you work, um, not you in general, the, whoever's listening to you, um, hierarchy matters. And, and so you want your highest paid players or your best players to always be the highest paid at their position. Um, it's just a status thing within a locker room. It matters. Uh, not that Burns isn't deserving of being paid more than Jacob Slavin. And as great as we think Slavin is, he's got a uh, better resume than Slavin. But Hey, great ad, right? At the end of the day, I, I, I was pushing the, the pessimism button button a week ago, and um, we both decided we were going to give them the benefit of the doubt that it being the organization. Um, not just us, I, the pundits, everyone agrees that Carolina got better. And uh, I don't want to jump the gun, but I, I believe you feel that way as well. Yeah, I definitely think so. Um, the offseason isn't over, and we'll discuss what we could see happening from here on out a little bit later. But 
I understand Burns is old. I know they're pushing the narrative that he is a fitness freak, um, somebody that's taking care of himself, somebody that was productive last year. I do think it's realistic to see one, two really good years out of him. And if you could get three, that would be exceptional. But I think he'll be a serviceable defenseman. And if I think towards the end of that contract, if he has to bump down to the second pairing, 5.28 doesn't handcuff you on the second pairing. So I think this deal looks really good now and in the future. And they're not tied up in a seven, eight-year deal that they would have had to ultimately do if they went to the market for a Klingberg or someone of that stature. Correct. And it, it's funny, the amount of times over the past seven days or so that I've read like fitness freak and for longevity. It, okay. That, that, that is uh, narrative street type stuff. But the truth of the matter is this is a guy that paid, played what, 26 minutes a game last year. Um, that's a lot. He won't be asked to do this in Carolina. Yeah. He's going to play in high leverage situations because he played with Jacob Slavin, but you can kind of descale the workload a little bit and, and play him in more optimum situations that fit his skill set to extend his career. And, you know, if I had to guess, you're probably in the three years that he'll be in Carolina, you're probably going to get one and a half total years. And that doesn't mean that it's the first, you know, 120 games that he's here are going to be good. It could be, hey, this first year, he's great. Next year, kind of up and down you just want him to be able to turn it on at the right times there's enough around him to where he doesn't have to carry the load the way he has in san jose for much of his career agreed yeah i think it's interesting for him he also had to waive his no trade because carolina wasn't one of the three team one of the three teams that he would allow a trade to when he originally submitted his list when he heard the hurricanes were interested it sounded from all the reports it sounded like it was pretty much instantaneous Yes, he'd be interested. He's already in Raleigh working out. So really exciting. Um, I think it's a big piece. If that piece, if you can get 85% of um, all-star Brett Burns and this team is has had a massive upgrade, massive upgrade at your first pairing right defenseman. With, without question. And, you know, it, it is exciting. And... and <sighs> bigger like kind of meta question like is this the most star-studded Canes team ever I mean it, it is in a long time um it's a guy that's won a Norris and you also will get to it later but they add patches and it's like some names on this team and the fact that the team has established in the organization established itself to the point where it's at now as a you know perennial playoff team division champion multiple times has made a run to these Christian conference finals everyone's expecting more the fact that it's a no-brainer for a you know potential Hall of Fame guy in in Burns to just wave immediately to come here before a season even starts, like the organization's in a really good place, and that has to make you feel good as a Canes fan, but also just projecting forward on how things are done here now. As much as it makes us shake our head at times, they kind of have it figured out. And this uh, you know perception that a Tom, Dun- Tom Dundon-led team. Um, you know, is going to do things differently. It's going to rub people the wrong way. I've even, you know, suggested that would be the case. It's just not true because at the end of the day, guys want to win. And as long as they continue to win and put a good product in the ice around this really young, uh, talented core, people are going to come here. Yeah, I agree. I think it's definitely becoming a destination. Um, they obviously value winning. They're a franchise that's focused on putting themselves in a smart spot. Uh, every offseason, whether it's the kind of contracts that they're willing to sign and not, 
Obviously, we'll get to this next trade that you already alluded to, the Pacioretty trade. They were able to weaponize cap space. It was clearly, you look at that, and I don't want to like talk like we, one of the main points we always go back to, right? The Hamilton deal. If you sign the Hamilton deal, you don't have the the cap space, the flexibility necessarily to maybe pull a deal like that, right? And all these little details, these little plug and plays where we're sitting here and we're reacting, we're like, what is the plan? And they've clearly had plans in place where they've just been operating at a much higher level than we're able to really even comprehend because we're not coming up with the idea. We, we did a deep dive looking at Vegas. We targeted... Shea Theodore or from we were looking at the defensive side at no point did the thought ever cross my mind that they would free up a guy like like that never crossed my mind no I I joked on a previous episode that the organization plays 3d chess and we're trying to predict their moves based on traditional team building tactics and they just don't have any desire to play by anyone else's rules they have noticed a market inefficiency in the fact that the trade market, they can leverage their cap space because they've signed a bunch of good contracts. You can go out and you can sign a Max Pacioretty or a Brent Burns because they didn't sign the Hamilton deal. And the good part about this is you're not signing Klinberg to high market value, long-term, high AAV because he's the highest free agent to fill a need. They noticed, hey, we can go out, we can get a probably superior player via trade. And because people are in bad cap situations, people are rebuilding. They've just, they view things different. And so I like to describe it as they just have identified market inefficiencies and they're going to exploit them. They don't want to play by your rules. They're going to build teams their way. And that's why, you know, we, we freak out because they don't want to sign, you know, Trocek or Nino, and they actually may sign in. We'll get back to that. Or Hamilton or whatever it is, a player we like that is productive for this team. Well, they go out and replace them on, on short-term deals at lower to similar AAVs and the team improves. And it's like, how, how are they able to do this? Because, well, the reason is they think outside the box and everyone else is playing the same game. They're playing a different game. Absolutely. Yeah. And I do think it's funny to listen to, these big podcasts in hockey. I don't want to say any sp- particular names or anything like that, but I listen to quite a, a assortment of them because I like to hear different perspective. What it, whether it's the analytic perspective, whether it's the insider, whether it's the former player, the former coach. I like to hear as many different opinions as I can. And the one thing I find very funny is that how much like Canadian or Northern markets, how much their media still thinks that this team is being run by Tom Dundon. He's this, these aren't, these are Eric Tolsky moves right. via Don Waddell. Now Don is the wheeler, the Don dealer, has the, the relationship. Ne- he's yeah. the negotiator. Like Tolsky isn't saying Tolsky saying this guy is really good. This is how I value this guy. And Don is saying, okay. And then he goes to Darren York and Darren York's like, yes. And then he says, well, what, what do you think it would cost? And then Don goes and makes a deal and negotiates. It's like, it's a great system, but at no point is Tom Dundon walking in and saying, have we considered getting patch ready? Have we considered? No, no, that's just not, he's no. not involved, but people think no, that he's I, hyper involved in I, hockey I, w- moves. I would say where he is involved at, 
at is when he came into the organization, you know, he owns the team. I do think he instituted a different way of thinking, you know, we established culture. Exactly. And and that is best identified through, you know, Tolsky spotting, you know, inefficiencies in the market. And I think what Tundin, that's how he made his billions of dollars is like, he has noticed market inefficiencies, over leveraged assets, and that's what they do now. And make the cold-hearted exactly. decisions. Exactly. Uh, here is where our line is for you. We never put ourselves in a vulnerable situation moving forward to overextend for anyone. And, you know, gosh, I feel like I've done a 180 this week, and I, maybe not a 180, but like a 175, because I did say we got to give them the benefit of the doubt because they've been really good at this. And, you know, last off season I was freaking out and now I'm much more calm and you know what? It works out, but I think we are going to have to see how this plays out in two years when some core assets come to market and the Aho extension, right. the turbo but, extension, but that's tomorrow's yeah. problem. And the moves they've made this off season, bring in patches, bring in burns, haven't mitigated you from doing what you need to do in that situation. So you're almost clean slate other than the deals that you've already signed, which are probably under market value. Uh, Svetch's contract is going to age in- incredibly well. Mm-hmm. Uh, even the, the KK deal is going to look fine here in a couple of years. So KK number two center now is what it's looking right. like. And, and we need to talk through that yeah, because I think that's the biggest you know question mark, but moving from the Burns deal where you talked about a little bit, but Max Pacioretty uh, and Coughlin for, Kane's legend, future considerations. It was a lot to give up. I'm, I'm a little concerned how we're going to play replace FC, but yeah. uh, for now, you, you got to bring in a high-end uh, score. Um, really kind of fits the bill of what this team is needed, and it's nice to add some star power. Like This team now has the juice to do it, in my mind, even if it's the roster's not complete. Yeah. I will say that future considerations got a warmer goodbye than Ian Cole, but I'm not really <laughs> sure why that yes, happened. <laughs> but Pacioretty, I mean, the dude is a goal scorer. Like, quite simply, sniper, something that the team hasn't had. And it was one of the things they talked about in the offseason. Rod addressed it. He's like, I'm not sure we have a pure goal scorer. And I think that's, in one part, light a fire under Svetch because – they asked Fetch about that, and you can tell, you can see, like, he wants to be that guy. And it's going to require him being a little bit more selfish. Sure. But I also he, think playing with someone that can do it is going to help. Like, oh, yeah. he doesn't have to be the guy. Seeing Pacioretty just take the shots instead of make right. that pass and be like, I can fucking do that, right? And so you look at it, and it was like, yeah, they they know they had a an inefficiency. Could it have been solved through Fetch? It could have, but they said, hey, we're going to go and get Pacioretty and Coglin, and we're going to get them for free. Yeah, I mean, just du- double down on it, right? So if Svetch takes the jump that we think he can next year or soon, plus a patches next year, like, it's what you had to do. Now, if Svetch takes the jump, you can legitimately win a Stanley Cup, like, and be one of the favorites to do it. The question with patches is always going to be health. And when he's on the ice, he's productive legitimate, you know, top end scorer, um, you know, point per game ish guy for most of his career, but it's up and down with the injuries. And, you know, there's really no way to predict that, but it's $7 million for one year. It's, it's a really low risk, high upside move. That's kind of a no brainer. And really it's not something I ever would have predicted them to do just, just because that, Hey, they, God, I feel like I'm so redundant, but 
the market inefficiency they noticed was, hey, we're going to weaponize cap space. Well, we weren't projecting them to have a ton of cap space because we're going to, okay, you're going to sign this guy, you're going to sign that. Well, the only guy they've signed is Andre Casas. So great. <laughs> like, yeah. And now you got a, an even better player, a vet that's been there and been on runs and been in leadership positions. I think that's another great thing to talk about with both Burns and Patches is these are guys that have worn letters, you know, for a decade. Veterans you know? with leadership qualities. And yes. I mean, Patch Reddy as a captain, Burns as an alternate, right? Right. Um, I mean, pretty, pretty incredible locker room ads pretty incredible on ice ads i mean coglin as well the other part of that patcheretti deal uh a young right-handed defenseman i believe that everything i've read on him has said that he has upside could honestly slide into the the bottom pairing this year so yeah just another guy to compete with chatfield for that you know compete with chatfield six seven role bear is back another guy like there's gonna be no gimmies anywhere on this roster as it's currently constructed yeah and and just organizational depth gets expanded and hey great deal i mean (laughs) how do you how do you bring in a guy with this level of cachet and pedigree leadership you know a plus dude apparently upside ability to perform on the ice not super old and just gives you your team just a little bit more status that they've kind of needed. And I think you play to that a little bit because as much as we're human, you believe in your own abilities. When, when the narrative is kind of all about who, who is this team bringing to the table? Well, we're bringing more dudes to the table now. And uh, I think that plays into people's psyche. You know, when you know you have to play against burns and Svetch and Aho and patches and turn like, Oh, that that's a lot instead of it all just kind of being homegrown guys that have started to make a name for themselves. Well, you brought in two guys now that have status throughout the league. Yeah. And that's a big thing. Um, they finally got their guy moving on to the, the one signing they've made, uh, Andre Kasha, um, probably going to be a fourth liner with some upside ability could play on the third line, depending on what happens, uh, with our, former or with our pending UFA yeah. uh, Nino Nita Ryder and uh, RFA uh, Martin Natchez. But uh, anything on Kasha? Yeah, I mean, he can play up and down the lineup. He's he's what they've tried to use Martinook as. He can play on any line. He can play any role. Underlying numbers are really good. Big hit on him is injury issues. He's had a lot of injury problems in his career. Um, he chose the Hurricanes over the Maple Leafs. Um so that was a, a big win for us. If he can stay healthy, that guy could be the dark horse player that really takes Canes to the next level because he's a guy that I think in the right situation, if he's healthy for a whole season, it's a guy that can get you 50-plus points, and having that kind of depth is pretty incredible. Um, he's he's good all-around player. It's a guy that the Canes tried to acquire via trade. If you remember back to the Justin Falk trade, that was a big piece that they were interested in getting back from Anaheim. It didn't work out. They've been in on him for years. And they finally were able to get him for free. Minus, I mean, obviously, salary. Yeah, they didn't well, have to give up any, exactly. no assets, any, any other assets than the to cash. get him. You've got him now. It's on a really cheap deal with the injury concerns. If that guy stays healthy, he can be a very, very, very important part of this roster. Couldn't agree more. And 
So looking at the roster right now, and we got it written up in front of us, but you're pretty functional right now. I'd say your top six is pretty much set. Now you have the hole on the left side uh, on the stall and Foss line, uh, but Kasha, Drury, Martinook's kind of your fourth line. It's a dynamic unit, um, obviously with the one glaring hole, and, and we can talk about Nino uh, on, in a second, but on the back end, your top four is absolutely set. Uh, obviously, big question, what's going to happen with Jake Gardner? As of now, we're projecting him to be you know, third-pairing left-hand D-man or left-side D-man playing with either Coughlin or Chatfield, um, but they could still move that money out, and then that would give you roughly $8 million to play with. There's a lot that could be done, and I, I would imagine if Nino is back, um, Gardner is shipped off. Uh, because if not, have to be. yeah, I mean, you, you can't make the money work otherwise. Because otherwise, your Natchez is gone for sure. If, and I don't, I don't think they want to do that. I really don't. Like, the further no, along no. it's gotten, I don't think they want to do that. No, I mean, the way... I mean, Burns wore eight in Minnesota, switched to 88 in San Jose, and he went back to eight in Carolina. I think people are reading into that too I much. I think they're reading eight, into eight's it. Eight's the number for Burns, not 88. Sure, but I think that... I. I think that it's kind of I don't think he did it for Natchez. Don't get me wrong. I don't think Burns said I'm going to eight because Natchez is right. eighty eight. I think it was a like you mentioned, but I do think it's kinda of like ominous that eighty eight is still available. Well there was if, he, no if he got eighty eight and there was no discussion about oh well, then, Burns yeah. paid Natchez or gave him something, sure. then you would know the it's written, it's done. But um I, I would take Burns wearing eight as a positive. I don't really think it's indicative of anything going on with Natchez, but conversely, like I said, if he, if he was wearing 88, it'd be like, oh, Natchez is going to be gone. Um, yeah, I would agree. I would agree. The the best, you know, 18 skaters that you could put together includes Natchez. And yeah. is, is there going to be some frustration on his, his end and his camp's end? Uh, as has kind of been perpetual in his time in Carolina, it feels like, other than, other than uh, the 2020-2021 season. Yeah. Um, but you got to keep a guy like that with the upside that he does, at, at least until you get to um, arbitration, eligibility, arbitration eligibility, which he is not yet. So um, unless someone comes to the table and like, offers you a, a you know godfather-type deal, I, what's the point in moving on from him? And, and if that means a, you know, a Drury doesn't crack the NHL roster just yet, I think that's kind of the gamble you take or you're able to move on from a Martinuk. Awesome. Like we like Jordan Martinuk. We have detailed our opinions on him, I think two or three weeks ago, but um, he shouldn't prevent you from, you know, adding Natchez back into this lineup. No, I totally agree, and I mean, you look at the lines, and if you are able to get it done, and Nino's back in the fold, and Natchez is back in the fold, if you're able to get them both done, that's amazing cap maneuvering. Obviously, the Gardner contract's got to go out. Um, I think if you look at it right now, and we all know that the lines will mix and match throughout the season, but potential... Svech, Ajo, Turbo line. I mean, these the top two lines, the pieces are pretty interchangeable. Pacioretty, KK, Jarvis. I mean, the KK conversation, he's either going to have Svech 
and Jarvis or Pacioretty and Turbo or some combination of those wingers on his side, I mean, what better way to go into your first season in Carolina as the dedicated 2C having guys that can play on the first line as your as your wings yeah. pretty pretty good setup unfortunately it that's kind of the big question mark right if he can't produce playing with any of these wingers the writing's kind of on the wall like he's capped at a third line center unless years from now you got him for eight years unless he he grows within that time frame unless he becomes an Erickson Eck unless he becomes a guy right that dominates a 200 foot game where it would inquire him to have an IQ jump and a little bit of a battle jump but that could come from physicality if he's a guy that can go and play almost like a stall because he's got more he's got more skill than stall he's not going to be as physical as stall so it's kind of like a mix if that's a guy that you can get that can dominate possession and win board battles he's got a great ability to pass he sees the passes and i mean if you have a jarvis and a patch ready on your wing you're going to be finding a lot of guys so i don't i don't view him as a guy that's going to get you a lot of goals but i'd be surprised does he have the foot speed to play yeah i mean i think that's the question i I definitely think so i don't think that's I don't think you have to be as fast as your line mates to be able to play with them because then nobody would be able to play with Connor McDavid on <laughs> Edmonton. True. So, I mean, I don't think he's so slow that it's a problem. I do like, he's not a fast skater. He's not an elite. He's not elite on his edges by any means. Like skating is not his strength. You'd hope it improves a little bit this off season. You'd hope his confidence goes up that the Canes obviously believe in him and have invested in him and have surrounded him with talent. Um, I'm not necessarily looking at his success from points, but I don't want it to become an instance where we're losing the like we're missing scoring chances because it dies on his stick. That's what I'm going to be looking for. I don't I'm not really drawn to the goals assists. It's is he able to continue to play at the right speed? Yeah, he can't be a net negative for his linemates. Yeah. If he can just be a neutral offensively that's great and i truly don't think he will be and like i made the assertion when we signed him that i said within two years i think he'd be a number two center and i'm gonna stick by my guns i'm gonna stick by my guns because we're gonna find out and i really do think that given the right opportunity because we saw some of the flair last year we saw he has it and it reminded me of a little bit you know early aho early svetch where playing with maybe Stahl and Martin, guys that are just less offensively gifted. You left some points on the ice, you know, that, you know, that could have been a handful more goals. Definitely would have way more assists. Well, I, KK had a little bit of that last year. Yeah, guys just, he was making more skilled plays than his line mates could even like see the ice in that certain way. One is his role too. The, right. That line was a heavy checking line. So, I mean, it's not, that's not really... The style of play we want for him is you almost want to be win your board battle and then find the open player, find the open ice. And he has the vision to do it. He has the skill to make the pass. So it'll be a big year for him to see if he can start putting those pieces together. Yeah, to me, it's a little bit of a chicken or the egg, right? And are the line mates going to drive him to getting to that point or is he going to hold him back? And and, hey, we'll see. I, I, I hope... And I believe the organization is gambling on the fact that he has the ability to do it. Regardless, I don't think it's going to be this situation to where he's so bad that 
the top six can't function at a high level. I, I think you're going to find some combination of guys with the major caveat being if Natchez is back, you do kind of have that as a little bit of a fallback um, guy that can take some face-offs and, and maybe in the preseason get a shot uh, at center, but we'll see. Yeah. And if if it doesn't work out and he plays second line the whole year and you're like, hey, this just isn't the fit, he's not signed at second line money. If he becomes your stall replacement, then everything is gravy. But I think that I think that there's a really good opportunity for it to work out for him. I do believe that I do believe that he'll be able to produce at a second line level. Um, this team's gonna need him too. I I, I tend to agree. Um Bear going to ARB, Natchez, obviously RFA, non-ARB eligible. And then the, the rumor recently is Nino Nita Ryder. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say it. We called that one that he's not going to get $6 million. <laughs> People calling him for go for to go over five and a half to six mil. I never saw it. And I don't need to detail again why that just never made sense. I test and mathematically, but if you can bring him back to fill that third line winger role and that line that was so good, especially versus Boston. Oof. I mean, this Deepest team is Kane's. Yeah. Ever. I mean, and that's even before you get Natchez back into it. Like, wow. I mean, what an absolutely stacked squad. Um, going to be hard. I mean, geez, we're going to have some decisions to talk about in the preseason if that is what comes to fruition. Uh, but overall, I mean, gosh, are, if your issues now are, one of your third pairing demon demon and a third or fourth line winger like you could be in a lot worse situations uh, and we've already added so much more juice yeah i mean really really exciting stuff the longer it goes everyone seems to feel the same way that there's a better chance that uh, nino returns to the fold um it's i believe chris johnson maybe reported that his expectation was that Nino would be back finding the cap space to get him back in the fold and everything. I'm curious to see where the bear arbitration goes, if he's maybe moved before that process. Um, I got to think they do, right? They yeah. just have always done that. I it think you have a similar player in Coughlin. Um From what I've heard, it sounds like some people already think Coglin's better than Bear potentially so if you that's know, the I, case who knows is, is Coglin just the hey and ethan bear had a little bit too and neither of them are the last to kind of get gar to garner this label but like guy that has a little bit of offensive upside that's a right shot that's young and is projectable a little bit you know it, it's kind of like super athletic tight ends in fantasy football you know that haven't done anything Pe people want that player to be good because when they hit they're so valuable but yeah I think it's just kind of the next guy. I don't believe the organization wants to lose Ethan bear for zero. Um, sure. And they're going to try and grind it out. But you know, it's so funny. We were talking before the show and it's like, wait, what are the arb rules? Because no gains ever get there. Yeah, uh, so yeah. we had to kind of look it up. Uh, they're a little bit complicated and you know, it's got to do with, you know, if he makes a certain amount, it's got to be like 85%. It honestly, you don't need to get to the nuts and bolts of it because it's not our job to make the cap work. We just know that they will make the cap work. Yeah, it'll yeah it'll be curious. Um, I think that there's still going to be movement. the The top four obviously is locked in. 
defensively, I think the top six is locked in. Um, we'll see what happens with Nino and Natchez. Uh, in the coming weeks, it could be it could be a, up till the season for a Natchez agreement to be made, whether it's a trade or whether it's a signing the contract. Um, we're in we're in for an interesting ride to see how things shake out, but I don't expect a resolution for Natchez anytime soon. No. You would you would hope that if the Nino situation is happening, that they're figuring out the cap the cap necessities aka right. moving gardener so uh, i don't know we'll we'll see what happens they could have a totally different plan um we didn't touch on it but the almost hurricane mason marchment uh we had him it to all reports basically locked up ready to sign four by 4.4 i believe four years 4.4 million and right after we we're able to snag Burns from Dallas. Dallas came back and snagged Marchment from us. It yeah. doesn't sound like angry X type stuff yeah, there. Doesn't sound like it was because they overbid. It sounded like um, Marchment had familiarity with coaching staff and players, et cetera, et cetera. He was more comfortable going to Dallas, so he's in Dallas. You know, I hey Dallas played for a cup not too long ago. Um, kind of an organization in transition roster wise, but. Never can fault a player for making the decision that they think is best for their career uh, when they're an unrestricted free agent. Um, I, I do think it's a little you know, faulty logic to go chase a coach just because we know how much transition happens, especially in this league. But, you know, that right there, you know, him deciding, we would have loved to have had him, had him but that decision right there kind of triggers either the patches deal and it kind of puts us in a situation where if he was on the roster right now, we're not talking Nino. And so I, I know players in the locker room, you know, notably um, Captain Jordan Stahl had, has kind of beaten the table to, to get Nino back. And so yeah. uh, I think this can be a win for the locker room and your upside was increased more by bringing in a patches. Um, right now, they sit right now a little over $4 million in cap space. As you mentioned, I, I think Gardner's going to have to get moved out. But if you do bring back Nino, and Natchez, you've got 10, 10 guys that are no doubt top nine players. And probably eight of those guys belong in the top six for, for most teams. So it's the deepest, most talented group of forwards they have ever had, assuming this happens. And that's probably the best top four you've ever had, even including Dougie Hamilton. So um, on the back end, that is. So, geez, it's just... The front office continues to surprise me. Um, I will stop bad-mouthing them. I, I really think there's only one drawback here, and, and that's the potential age and health. But really low-risk moves with patches and Casa on one-year deals, burns at you know 5.28, nothing. I mean, that's just no big deal. I mean, I he is an upgrade defensively over Tony. I think he will benefit even more playing with Slavin than Tony did. And he's got more offensive upside potential uh, than just about any defenseman in the league when he's on. And he probably can't be on at 37 years old like he used to be. But for brief periods, I believe he can be. Yeah. And I think while I was talking about the Burns trade, I think I referred to Stevie Lawrence as fourth line player, which he is. But he is. we love Stevie Lawrence. And I didn't want to just <laughs> I didn't like catch that. I didn't, I didn't. I just like 
thought back is that like future considerations yeah i would never do that to stevie stevie was a great player great hurricane guy had a contagiously positive attitude um love the messages dad put out there great you know very appreciative they're very just happy for happy for opportunity he's happy to go get another opportunity hopefully he gets to play uh on the third line maybe even higher i I think he could not that crazy different to me bigger body but than like a Warren Fogel. If he gets put in the right opportunity, he's got a little bit there. I don't think he's as skilled as Fogel was. Well, um, he's not a diva. He's gonna do he's gonna do what <laughs> you ask right him things, to do. Yeah. He doesn't expect to be put on the power play. He doesn't he's not coming in with expectation. He's gonna come in and grind and do whatever he's told to do. And he's gonna do it all with a smile on your face. And San Jose is trying to rebuild the culture there, and that's a really great player. Yeah, I thought that was add. an interesting player for them to add, just where they are in their cycle. But every team needs a Stevie Lawrence. I mean, you just have to have guys like that. Uh, the size helps, got a little bit of scoring touch, and just you know, great guy for the locker room, as you said. Uh, he'll be missed, but kind of a no-brainer move at the same time. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, Burns, great locker room guy. Um, I think fans are going to love him. It's going to be a lot of personality. This should be the most fun Canes team we've yeah. had. I mean, dudes, Burns got the big beard, missing teeth, tattoos everywhere, hunts deer, like what was it, Axis deer, whatever he's right. hunting. And dudes, dude belongs in, I mean, he has a place in, in Texas. Texas. Like dude belongs in the South. In the South. He's going to he's gonna love it. Um, any, any final thoughts? This is a... Uh, Kind of just another brain dump as we continue to progress through the offseason. I, I guess we're not projecting too much right now other than, hey, we need to track the Nino, Natchez, and obviously that would be corresponding with a Gardner deal as well. But overall, the, the framework's pretty much set. Yeah, it was not the uh, conversation I was expecting to have. I nope. wasn't expecting to talk about these names. I wasn't prepared to have the roster as completed it as it is right now. I was thinking I mean, there was going to be a lot of for them to basically all do this on day one, which is very anti Canes in general, yeah. but geez, didn't we say not to expect anything, anything to happen day yeah. one? <laughs> and, and so we, we kind of got here oh, in the, like we spoke the, it into existence by saying the opposite. Yeah, so. exactly. Remember I said nothing was going to happen. So, um, yeah, it's the, the shock has worn off on me a little bit. And so I, I hope we're doing this justice because it's really exciting and I'm pumped to watch this team play. It's just I'm in shock at the same time that so much has happened. They were able to do it at such a low price point. Um, And, you know, it's just we're here for us. The content wise, it's great. At the same time, it's kind of more fun to kind of bitch about it. too. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, um, You know, negative pub is always easier to talk about. But, hey, I'm here for the good vibes. I'm here for this exciting roster they're putting together um i can't wait for you know september and then october when the season really gets going um dude i'm ready yeah i'm pretty excited we're on nino and natris watch maybe we'll we'll get us a little interview piece this summer before the season starts see what see what we can uh, scrounge up and uh yeah excited to see how things unfold all right y'all we'll see you next week thank you so much